What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. This show is brought to you by 78 Sports. If you're a baseball coach and you're not familiar with 78 Sports, then you need to be. The guys at 78 Sports are a full design, supply, and installation team that does it all for baseball coaches and facilities. Whether you're looking to get new hitting mats, replace some L screens, put up a new batting cage, or even design a brand new indoor facility, the 78 Sports team has you covered for it all. As an exclusive offer for our podcast listeners, 78 Sports is offering special pricing on your order when you mention Ahead of the Curve. Give them a call today at 844-478-TURF to get your order started. You can also check them out on their website at www.78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. On today's show, we have on Cody Ellis, head baseball coach at Patrick Henry Community College. Cody took over at his alma mater in the fall of 2019 and has had nothing but success since he's been there. In 2022, they put up another 31 season. And in 2021, they won the region for the first time in program history, finishing fourth in the JUCO Division II World Series with a 43-17 record. In 2021, he was named Region Coach of the Year, South Atlantic District Coach of the Year, and the ABCA South Atlantic Coach of the Year as well. So on the show, we discuss what his vision was when he took over at his alma mater in 2019. And we go through an entire year's calendar from 2021 and 22 that brought so much success. Here is Cody Ellis. Cody, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Excited to to get to dive in. Uh, congrats on Region Coach of the Year. I wanted to. I'm probably not the first to tell you that, but I think I'm probably the first on a podcast to tell you that. So, <laughs> congrats on that, and congrats on a successful year. Absolutely not. I appreciate that, and um, you know that award really goes to our coaches, and and more importantly, our players. Um, you know, they did all the work, and uh, I was just fortunate enough to be a part of it last year. Sure, sure. Well, let's go back. To a few years ago, and whatever you got the job. So, uh, as I was mentioning off the mic, uh, we go through the interview process. There's a lot of things that are written about, you know, how to questions that people ask, and you know how to how to do how to be a good person in an interview, or at least be your most authentic self. So you get the job, you accept the job, and then it's like, okay, now what do I do? You know, so walk us through, you know, where your vision was whenever you first started. Like, what what did you want to do year one? And then if you don't mind, walk us through like your first 100 days of the job on how you set that in motion uh, for, for the first couple of months. Yeah, so um, Patrick Henry Community College is, um, is obviously uh, very near and dear to my heart. So I played there. I got the opportunity to go there and play uh, out of high school. And believe it or not, it's uh, probably not on everybody's dream job list, but it was definitely somewhere uh, I wanted to come back and coach you know, at some point. So having the opportunity to come back, uh, to go through the interview process, I uh, actually was an assistant coach in 2017, and then I was a grad assistant uh, for Lucas Jones up in Lynchburg, who uh, previously was also at Patrick Henry, so it was kind of a, a one big circle there. Um, but really just going through the interview process, like you said, just putting together – like obviously I was very passionate about about Patrick Henry, and one of the biggest things that, um, that we wanted to do was really trying to turn some things around. Um, Patrick Henry has always been – uh, very good as far as from a baseball standpoint, uh, but for some reason just can never get over the hump. 
And um, and that was one of the big changes that I wanted to come in and put together as far as like being the first to be able to win a uh, conference championship and compete at a national level. No, I love hearing that. And I, I love the passion behind, you know, you being very passionate about the program. But what were some like tangible steps or moments that you remember? So you, you said that they, it was a good program whenever you played for it. And, and, you know, when you weren't the head coach, it was still a good program. What did you feel like got you guys over the hump? Um, you know, putting together our, our vision and, you know, that started with when we first got the job and hiring on, you know, assistant coaches. And, um, you know, when I first got hired, it was pretty much calling all the returners and trying to let them know that, hey, everything's going to be OK. Um, you know, we're going to get through this. Um, you know, i am been around the program. I continue to follow you guys and then calling all the incoming freshmen as well and let them know, you know, that everything's going to be OK. Everyone's still coming in. Um, we're going to go at this thing, you know, a little different way, but we're going to go at it, um, you know, wide open. And so uh, for us, it was really just setting the vision, you know, really from from day one in our first meeting is saying, um, you know, we put together our standards of the program and, uh, you know, under the vision was win a region title and compete at a national level. And, you know, for us, the, I think the biggest thing um, that we kind of took that first year was being different. And it's, it had been pretty much the same old, same old, you know, get to the championship game, um, you know, had good years, um, but we need to be different. And we need to be different off the field. We need to be different in the classroom and we need to be different on the field. And I think that was a, really the point of emphasis that um, we did a really good job of that first year was changing how we practice, um, changing how we talk to one another, changing the language that we're using, um, using language of the responsible and not language of the victim. Um, changing the way that we go about practice every single day, um, the attitudes that we have, you know, every single day, which, you know, our attitude, uh, we can talk about all the time, but you get to dictate that you choose your attitude, you know, each and every day. And, um, you know, that first group, they, they bought in really from day one. Um, and it was just a lot of fun to be around, uh, that first group. And as much as I took those guys in, they took me in as well. And so I'll, I'll can never be, uh, you know, I'll always be grateful for that first group. Oh, that's awesome. And so you're setting the foundation of this. So what did, what did you do like the first 100 days? I mean, I'm thinking, okay, like inventory, meeting with the players that are already here, trying to get them to stay with the program, like just things like that. Because it, it, when this episode airs in the summer, there's going to be a lot of coaches interviewing for different jobs and there's going to be some turnover, or lots of turnover as there is every year in the coaching world. So what was really the things that you did in the first 100 days that brought you success, or if you could go back, what would you do a little bit differently? You can spin it either way, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on if you were going to win the first 100 days, what would you do? Yeah, that's definitely, um, you know, a, a great question. And, uh, you know, I had never been a head coach before. I'd only been, you know, an assistant everywhere. And, um, really at, at that point, when you take over, you are the head of the recruiting, you're the head of the budget, um, you know, and, and pretty much all facets of the program. And so um, really just obviously going through the gear, uh, like you said, which is probably on, on the back burner. Um, but more importantly, just trying to get everything set up to where how you're going to go at the first day. Um, organization is uh, an, an incredibly large piece. to all of this. So when you get in there and your players come in, that – okay, you have everything lined up in place. You know what you're going to talk about. You know how 
uh, you want to go about uh, the first meeting, you know how you want to go about the first week of practice. And that was really, um, really it as far as like the first couple of weeks is uh, setting a plan for the players um, and really just going about it uh, to start out with from a baseball standpoint in, uh, in very small groups. Uh, this is how we're going to do our throwing program. This is how we're going to go you know, through our individual defense. This is how we're going to go through our offense. Uh, this is how we're going to base run. And then once we can kind of go through that the first week or so is putting it all together in a, um, in a team practice standpoint. Uh, because I, <clears throat> I feel like if you go in and you're trying to do 100 different things, um, you know, at the very beginning, it's just uh, very hectic. And so the, the simpler it can be, uh, the more comfortable that the players can be early on. I think that the more uh, the more success you're going to have uh, with having doing things uh, the right way, which in, in turn is the way that, you know, Patrick Henry does it. No, I really like that. And, you know, you get the you get the opportunity to not only play for the program. So you understand that there's some beliefs, behaviors and, and experiences that you want to continue to do but then you get to put your own spin on it which i think is a really really neat thing you get to play your brand of baseball from you as a head coach which is always cool so with the, you know you you mentioned the vision that you guys had i would love to hear and i love hearing what the standards are for other coaches like we want to play x y and z type of baseball or this is what a, a patrick henry baseball player does x y or z or uh, this way they do on the field off the field in the community uh, and th- then a- any rules that you have. So if, if you had, you know, different things or, or punishment or, or, or praise for doing things right, I would love to hear just what your standards and rules are. Yeah. So um, pretty much my philosophy uh, from a baseball side is, is probably very different than, than a lot of people. Um, I refuse to coach scared and I refuse for our players to play scared. Um, everything that we do, we're going to be, uh, we want to play wide open and, and everything that we do, we're going to take chances. We're going to push the envelope. Um, we're going to run when majority of the time, majority of the teams wouldn't run. Um, we're going to, um, take the extra base when it's going to be bang, bang. And, uh, really and truly, we just want to put as much pressure on the defense as possible. And so, especially in the fall, when we're talking about the hundred days, um, was really getting these players to understand, like, uh, it is, we're going to fail. And the fall is a perfect time to do it because there are no stats in the fall. And but you have to learn to play at a high level. You're going to have to learn. Um, you're going to have to get out. You're going to have to fail. You're going to have to go through some adversity. Uh, and we talk about in our program, failing is another word for learning. Um, because if you never go after those balls, like uh, during BP, some of our players, some of our outfielders, they'll die for balls and they'll miss about five feet. Well, now they know that they can't get to that baseball. So. Um, you know, when it does come in the springtime, they know which balls they can dive and they're going to have a chance for. Um, our players are going to know when they can go first or third, um, when they have a really good jump at second base, when they have a really good jump at first base. And really, I just try to give um, – I try to give our players the freedom to go out there and play. And that's why we coach um, extremely hard in the fall. Uh, we go through things. Um, but I let them go play because we stole 270 bags uh, my first full season in 60 games. And I probably gave five steal signs. And that's just trying to give our players like the uh, the freedom, but giving them the autonomy to to go out there and play uh, with a lot of energy and to play with a lot of fire and to know that if they get thrown out, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tap them on the head and um, you know, shake their hand and you know that that's pretty much it. Um, 
because we talk about it. We're going to need we're going to need that big stolen base in a championship game, and we're going to need you know that dive and play in, in a championship game. And if you've never gone out and done, done those things, then it's going to be very difficult to do it when the lights are the brightest. And um, no doubt. So you guys are. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and then just talk about some of the, you know, some of the most important things that, that we talk about in our program. Uh, you know, we talked about attitude. Uh, they're able to decide their own attitude. Uh, they decide, you know, if they're going to contribute to our goal. Uh, they decide if they're going to be, if they're going to be coachable. Um, and then um, just kind of going through uh, being selfless is another big, big one for us. Um, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice for the team? Um, you know, thinking of yourself less. And, you know, one thing that um, that we do every single day is, you know, we talk about serving others. And in, in our program, the older guys, which, you know, it's a two-year school, uh, the sophomores, they do all the – they do everything. They clean up. They, they set up for BP. Uh, they really run the show uh, because as a servant leadership, like that's what you have to do. And the leader should serve. And I try to serve our players every single day. Um, but that's what leaders do. And the greatest leader that ever came to this world was, um, you know, came to serve and not to be served. And so we just try to really try to mirror that um, with our players. And then uh, the communication part. Um, so we got six, six things that that's um, kind of the, the levels of Patriot baseball. It's attitude, being selfless, communication. Um, our culture, our vision, and then uh, and then joy. And so, on the communication piece, um, really communicating the expectations from you know the coaching staff to the players, but also from player to player. And that also falls under with, with accountability. And you know, certainly the coaching staff is going to hold players accountable, but um, it means a lot more to the players when there's player on player when they're holding each other accountable, especially when those older guys who have been around the program, who have been, uh, you know, to a championship or been to the World Series, they know what it's going to take. And it's got to be like that every single day. And when those leaders hold each other accountable and leaders hold leaders accountable and leaders hold, um, you know, some younger guys accountable, uh, it just it, it makes a big difference early on. And then just the honest mm-hmm. communication piece, you know, from coaches to players, you know, just being extremely honest and and having those tough conversations, having those fierce conversations, um, you know, with our players, so they can get uh, the max amount of um, information, you know, from those to where, hey, this is this is where you're at. Uh, this is what I see. This is what I see you could do uh, or you should be doing. Uh, how can we get there? Um, and listening is uh, just as important that communication piece as talking. And you know, as a coach. I feel like I've done way more listening to our players uh, since being a head coach uh, than ever before. And then, um, you know, we talk about our culture. Uh, we talk about our vision. And then, you know, our last one is joy. And if if you're not passionate about what you are doing, um, you know, or you don't care, then everyone's going to notice there's going to be a big snowball effect. So being joyful every single day uh, for the opportunity to get better and to be around our teammates um, and we talk about, you know, joy and the successes, uh, the walk-offs, the shutouts, the honors, the awards. And baseball would be an awful game if, you know, your teammates didn't come out and spray you with water if, you know, after a walk-off. Um, and the joy of being able to compete. And then the joy of overcoming adversity. I don't think that's what uh, a lot of players nowadays, uh, <laughs> it's tough to find joy in at, at any part in life. 
Um, but the joy and the adversity throughout the season, throughout the, uh, you know, individualized part of whether it be on the pitching side of things or on the offensive side of things is having joy and being able to go through that. But more importantly, like what it what it was able to take for you to get over it and for you to get through it. And then you're, you're only going to be that much better the rest of the way out. Sure. No, I love. So a couple of years ago, well, I guess COVID COVID year, uh, Steve Kerr did a podcast with ah who was it oh pete carroll pete carroll and steve kerr did a podcast together and they went over their core values and one of steve's is joy and man i after he and the way he explained it similar to the way that you explained it i was like okay i like if i'm ever in charge of a program that's got to be one of them and since then i have stolen like you know i've, I've got a, a future coach's handbook or or whatever you would like to call it and and I've I've morphed that into Mudita, which is an, an Alabama saying, and it's vicarious joy shared when you see the excitement of others, like so being a supportive good teammate. And so I, I love that. Like I love we talk about being a good teammate all the time, but what does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that sound like? And how do we how do we promote that on a daily basis is it's so good because we live we live in a selfish world. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all looking out for number one and and that's not their that's not their 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 first thought is what are you know what what can I do for my other teammates? Usually their first thought is what do they think of me uh, in this situation? And and I love hearing that. Like I think that that's that's fantastic. But I think you know the next question that I want to get to is what do you do when you see somebody not upholding that standard? And can you give maybe an example of something that's happened? We all have situations like I wish it was all sunshine and rainbows, but it's not. <laughs> but can you give us an example of? of what, uh, if someone didn't uphold a standard that you had, pick any standard that you would like and give us a situation, potentially, you know, you can leave out names, but just give us a, how you, how you walk through that, how you handle that and how you help them learn to do a better job for the next time. Yeah. I think, you know, going back to the communication part, I think is the, is the biggest, uh, thing with dealing with those issues is, you know, for me, it's uh, I'm very no nonsense as far as, you know, what's going to be acceptable and, and what's not going to be. And, you know, that's one of the bit, one of the great things about this country. And one of the great things about baseball is you have the freedom to be in whatever program that you're in. You have the freedom to play baseball. You have the freedom to show up every single day. Um, and I know for us, you know, going through, I know um, honesty is is pretty high on the list for me, um, just being honest and for our players is when there is a mistake being made, like owning up to it and taking accountability. Um, I really don't do uh, any, any, really any punishment stuff. Uh, the only time that they do any, any type of, um, you know, conditioning is just if, if they were ever dishonest, you know, if they, if they missed class and didn't, didn't let me know, um, then they're obviously going to have some, some conditioning. Uh, but also I'm not naive to think that, you know, I'm, I, for one, am not perfect. Um, I went to college and I missed school, uh, missed classes and, you know, that's being able to learn and being able to like take accountability, um, you know, and learning that, Hey, we're, we're all here to help. Um, but we have to know, you know, what's going on and, and our players know if they, if they let me know, like, Hey, I, I overslept or, you know, I missed I didn't set my alarm. Um, you know, I set it for PM instead of AM, you know, something came up, then, you know, everything's all good. You need to communicate with your professor. Um, you know, we'll get some extra study hall in for, you know, to get up, get back to where we're at in, in some of those classes. But, um, you know, when, 
when these guys get out of this program, um, you're never going to not show up to work and not let your boss know what's going on. And it's the same thing in school to where, um, you know, you owe it to them to, you know, let them know what's going on. And, and plus you owe it to your baseball program to, you know, set a higher standard for yourself in the classroom where you're different from other students um, to where you are taking more accountability than the average student would. No, I love that. I think that that's, that's a great, great explanation. And thank you for going in depth. But let's get into some player development strategies. I think, you know, when, when you lay the foundation of becoming a better man, you become a better baseball pr- player, but we want to be successful on the field too. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you guys had success in the spring, and I think that all of that starts in the fall. So you're, 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 I would love, well, I, I would say, hey, you're going to go over this, this, and this, but I'm going to lean on you for that. So what did you guys do this fall that you felt was successful, or you could talk about what you're going to do? in the next fall, like the fall that's coming up, uh, things that you like, things that you didn't, didn't like things that you, uh, that we can steal from you. And just how did you guys lay it out to have a successful spring? Yeah. And I think, you know, player development, you know, everyone, um, you know, it's certainly a big buzzword and, um, really in at all levels of the game. And, um, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to work with USA baseball for, um, for three summers now. And, you know, I talked to our players about it and I think one of the biggest, uh, emphasis of player development is what you can do in the weight room and um, you know being more physical um, but players want to know how they can get faster how they can hit balls harder and, and hit balls further and how to throw harder and uh, you know you watch those guys on tv and they're huge and one one of the conversations that we have with with all our players at, at different times is uh, we don't do anything from a baseball standpoint that they're not doing on tv um we don't have any crazy drills that we just, you know, kind of made up. Um, you know, it, it, as far as the weight room goes, like we want to get bigger, faster, and stronger. We want to throw up heavy weight. Um, but especially from the defense, I'm I'm uh, a big time defensive guy, and so I absolutely okay. love like um, really just getting down, uh, getting back to the basics, but more so from the from the infield perspective is um, creating good hops and the big the big emphasis that we make is continue to move our feet, which is, um, which I know is super elementary, but, uh, we try to create as many short hops as possible. And so from, uh, we'll do a lot of paddles, uh, we'll do a lot of mini gloves and we just kind of have a, uh, routine where either we're, we're all doing paddles and then we'll all go to mini gloves or we'll have, you know, half doing paddles, um, through our infield set, uh, half doing mini gloves. Uh, but we want to create as many short hops as possible. What we'll see when we go through it is we do create a lot of short hops, but we're also moving our feet to a to a greater extent that we're also creating a lot of big hops, and that's what we'll have conversations at the end of, at the end of the infield. Like, okay, how, how do you think we did there? And I'm like, well, you know, we did pretty well. Uh, we also got a lot of big hops. So I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much the whole point. Is when you're trying to create that short hop, you kind of give yourself, you know, a little bit of. Um, a little bit of time to where you can kind of check up and get the big hop, or you can sell out and go get that short hop. Um, Cause there's not very much room for error, you know, with that short hop. Um, and then from the third base side, really, uh, really working on our opens. Uh, Cause we do a lot of angle stuff on the infield uh, for all our positions. Uh, but third is, is very different because in, in the middle, you can, you can do a lot of footwork stuff uh, to try to create those hops. But at third base, as you know, 
uh, it's the hot corner for a reason. And sometimes it's, you know, what you get is what you get over there. And um, so we really try to create that open to where we either opening to the, to the forehand or opening to the backhand. And then we can really read to where maybe we're taking the shuffle back um, and getting a big hop, or maybe we're taking one step forward, you know, to get a good, to get a good short hop, um, or at least go ahead and open it up to get our angle at whatever ball that we're trying to, to trying to go after at that point. I love that. So for me, like just listening to you for the last 20 minutes, it sounds like there's a lot of dialogue between you and and the players. Was there ever a time that, or even with the new, new guys, because there are times that I will ask a great question. I I feel like it's a great question or I will give us, you know, just ask the group and maybe not pick specific individuals out, but then there's just dead silence for like, I don't know, like the first four or five times that I ask different things in practice. And then they finally start to get the hang of, oh, like this isn't just you asking a rhetorical question. Like, I don't know if you've got that, you've got some older kids, uh, but like, it's, it, like whenever you, whenever I get new kids, it's, you know, that one, they don't get sarcasm. And then the second one is, is they feel like it's a one-way conversation. So how do you open them up to really giving you feedback without, you know, fear of retribution or the bench or whatever. But because I think that's, that that's huge of them telling you, Hey, this is what I liked. This is what I didn't like. And this is what we got out of it. I think that's awesome. No, we asked that. Uh, so pretty much we don't do very long meetings after games and after practice. Um, they know how the game went and they know how practice went, but we, you, you're absolutely right. We do a, a lot of, um, small meetings during practice so we'll meet uh either before or after the base running whatever we want to you know emphasize on that particular day we'll always meet before infield we'll always meet you know after infield um and like you said i ask a lot of those questions i ask because uh, we'll do a lot of different things we'll do some things that i think are is, is a great idea and then you see it you see it out there and they're like, I, you know, I didn't really like that. Or we'll do something that I think is just okay. And they're yeah. like, oh my gosh, like we love that. And and one of the questions that, you know, if you take any leadership course or, um, you know, any leadership program, you know, uh, ask the art of asking questions uh, is a huge for your feedback. And I'll ask them all the time is, okay, we like that. Then why? Why do we like that? And they'll give me, they'll give me feedback. And also in, in turn with that is, when we're asking those questions, because like you said, it sometimes can get to where um, they're waiting for me to give them an answer. Um, but that's the only way they're going to learn is they can actually think about these things, you know, on their own and have some in-depth thought to where, okay, this is this is why we're going about it this way. This is why we did uh, this drill. This is what I learned from it. And so that way, when it is either in, in, uh, in practice, in-game setting, um, you know, we're in a game, it is just the IQ is extremely high and they can just roll off uh, very quickly to where it takes a thought process out of it. No, that's really good. So like, let's go, let's say we fast forwarded to December and you're having exit meetings with the players and, or maybe even, let, let, let me rephrase, you're having exit meetings with the coaches before the, the players have already been sent off or, or they're about to be sent off and you guys feel like you won the fall. What were the things that you had to do this this fall or last fall to feel like you won it? Like, what are the what are the things that you have to get established before winter break to win the fall? You know, you talk about it's um, you know some things that we look at is how did the team chemistry you know kind of come together? Um, and you know, we talk about you know doing some team building stuff and and being together all the time because at a junior college, you know, you got half your team are new and half your team are are younger. And so, you know, how they're going to mesh, 
um, how your leader is going to evolve. And, you know, in our program, I don't, I don't do, um, I don't give any, any titles as far as leaders or captains. And, you know, I talked to our players about that is um, more importantly is, you know, as a leader, um, what does that entail? And a lot of them just think it's, you know, whoever is either the, you know, the most outspoken or um, whoever they think should be a leader. Um, but once again, we'll ask them questions like, well, you know, why are, are you a leader? And they'll say, well, either, you know, yes, I am, or, you know, I'm not a very good one. I was like, well, what does a leader entail? Um, but in order to be a leader, you have to have followers. And so you can be a good leader or you can be a bad leader, but you don't really get to dictate, um, you know, if you're a leader or not, you're only a leader if you have followers. And I can't, I can have in my mind who I want to be a leader, but if they're, if they're not natural leaders or if they're not going to take over, um, then it's going to be very difficult for our team to follow, you know, that particular person, you know, we're group. So, uh, I think just letting our leaders emerge and seeing who they are. And if we do have some good leadership and they are, you know, all, all in together, then I really think it's a, uh, you know, it's a win for the fall, um, because it's going to be that much easier when they come back in January and, um, you know, just some other things from the, from the physical side is, you know, we play, you know, 15 to 20 games in the fall and being able to see, uh, the competition factor and the toughness factor gives us a really good idea to what kind of team we're going to be, you know, in the springtime. And we're able to see that every single day at practice because, um, it's some really hot days in August and September. Um, it's some really cold days in November and December. And, um, you know, seeing the guys that have that edge and seeing the guys that have that toughness and that competitive nature to where it doesn't matter, you know, what the weather's like. It doesn't matter, you know, what happened that day. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, we've been out there five days in a row. We had some early mornings, um, you know, had some late nights. Uh, I'm going to go at it, you know, at the at the highest level. And I think that's probably something that you it, you really can't put a number on in the recruiting standpoint, uh, you know, until you get them on campus. But I think if you have that toughness and you have that competitive edge in the fall, um, that would be a big time win for us going into the spring. Sure. You mentioned two things I'd love to hear more about. Uh, and the first one was team building. You, you talked about, you know, getting that chemistry going. Are there any things that you guys that you put them through or, or get them together for that you really enjoy as far as team building activities go? Yeah. And a lot of that comes with, um, with the encouragement that we do during practice. Um, and also too, with, with what we do in the weight room with, um, you know, challenge, challenging ourselves mentally. And so we'll definitely, we'll always have some, um, you know, some, some bigger movements in, in the weight room as far as like, you're squatting and, um, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, but we also like to put a lot of mental toughness things in there, which as far as like, um, you know, our ab work or our planks or, you know, push-ups, um, just some different things to where, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of friends in the armed forces and, you know, listening to them talk. And a lot of it is your mind will tell you that you're done and your body has an extremely, um, a large amount left in the tank. And so being able to tap into when your mind says no, like your body says yes. And being able to train ourselves that way to where when we are on the back end of a double header, um, you know, we're able to play, hey, we've been here, like we can keep uh, pushing through, like I'm, I'm not tired yet. I'm, I'm not even close. Um, you know, I got way more left in the tank. And, um, you know, seeing those guys push mm-hmm. one another, uh, you know, in those sorts of, um, 
in those, I would say, I would say in those areas um, is big because all these guys want to be competitive. They want to be the best. So if they're, you know, pulling for somebody to get, you know, 75 push-ups and, you know, next guy's going to try to get 76 and next guy's going to try to get more. So, um, you know, being able to push ourselves that way and to see them really, uh, you know, get fired up for one another in there as far as, you know, the, the mental test being as big as the physical test. Oh, awesome. I love that. And you led me right into my next question, which was competitions. You know, we're always trying to to get our, our players to compete against each other in unique ways. Anything that, that comes to mind that you guys really like as far as competitions go, it could be, you know, in practice or, you know, things that you guys do outside of practice to compete, but I'm always looking for new, new things to do. Yeah. Anytime we can compete in BP, um, you know, we'll do it. And, you know, one thing that, that I try to do is, uh, do the randomized groups. And so it's all, um, it's an even slate. So if the, you know, if your big guys get together, you know, on the same team, then great. If your smaller guys get together on the same team, then great. Um, there's going to be ways uh, for everyone to be able to produce. Um, but is it, is it always going to be a team aspect? The only time we really won't do any individualized batting practice as far as, you know, competing gets one through, you know, 20 or one through 22. Um, it's going to be in your group and, uh, they absolutely uh, actually got a, a lot of it from Campbell University. Um, I got some of their stuff, and uh, and our guys absolutely just ate it up. And because they love competing, and it just adds a little more to it. To where you're doing, you know, one two man, one two count, man on third, you know, get them in, infield in, or whatever. Um, you know, it just adds a little more to it when you got two or three other guys depending on you to get four or five RBIs um, versus just going through your round. So we do a lot of competition BP. Uh, we'll keep scores and um, and it's it's fun to see some of the guys that you may not think um, being able to pick each other up and put their team on their back and you'll be able to see too during that is the guys that will put a lot of pressure on themselves and you know won't do well and some of the guys that have a slow heartbeat that that want it and you can tell when they get in there like they're they're nodding their head they you know the guys are and, and myself too i'll talk some trash in there to them sometimes try to try to get in that dome and uh and they love it and they absolutely eat it up so when, when those guys are responding that way um and they want it then that's who you want up in the night then yeah for sure no i i love that and i think that that's awesome so you're you're setting the foundation for them in the spring and then you send them off you're you're hoping and praying that they all come back healthy and safe <laughs> and they've thrown and, and played long toss every single day. You get them back on campus and then you've got like a sprint to start the season. So tell us what you do in like the month of January to get those guys ready. You know, what, are, what are, again, how do you win that month? Because that's a pivotal month going forward. It's, you know, it's, it, it's setting the tone because once you start the season, you're playing every, every day or every two days Yeah, and you don't have a ton of development time. So how do we win January in the preseason? Um, uh, you, you said it, I mean, they got to do what they're supposed to do when, when they're back home and, you know, for those, you know, three weeks in, in December, um, the biggest thing from, from the pitching staff is being able to get to February with no setbacks and no issues. And so we, we baby our pitchers, even in the month of February, uh, we'll baby them. Uh, you know, they won't throw. They, they really won't get up to, to full potential. And, you know, I could, I, I'd probably just do it differently. There's some other guys that do it differently, but I mean, they probably won't get up to, you know, 995 to probably the middle of the end of March. 
because everything that we talk about is we need those guys ready for May when we're going after a championship and, and more importantly, going after a World Series. Um, but it is, it is like you said, is uh, wide open, foot on the gas pedal as soon as we get back. And, you know, weather dictates that a lot. Uh, we have the turf infield. So uh, that's kind of a next factor for us is, you know, we're able to get out there. But um, I think being able to hit on a couple things, uh, you know, in a small in a small setting or, you know, just kind of uh, very slow, like we'll go through, you know, tandems early on. We'll go through our bunt coverages early on. We'll go through our picks early on, um, you know, just hit, you know, one part of Team D for that first week. And then after that, um, it really just adds – it really just puts in um, – it really just goes into, uh, you know, just a full set of practice as far as like the next two or three weeks because we do want to spend, you know, a lot of time on uh, our individual defense, um, you know, our offensive portion. And we'll play a game called Jubilee, and it's an extremely fast, uh, fast-paced, pretty much coach pitch, machine pitch, however you want to call it. And we're working on, you know, bunt offense, bunt defense. We're working on a hit-and-run offense. You know, our hit-and-run defense, tandems are involved in that because uh, we're playing everything live. Um, we'll do a lot of PFPs during that as well. Um, so we just add uh, really a lot into a 40- to 45-minute session to where you're getting every piece of the defensive reps um, that you need and being able to play uh, quickly. And, you know, we're throwing to the right bags, um, making, you know, outfield throws to the bags and infielders making plays you know, with base runners. And so the more that we can have live reps or as make it a game like as possible throughout the week, uh, the easier the game's going to be, uh, you know, on the weekends. And, you know, our practices are extremely fast paced. Like I said, the Jubilee is extremely quick um, with how we run things. And hopefully what my intention is for that is to, on Saturday, everything is slowed down. The game's extremely slow compared to the way that we practice and compared to the way that we play during the week um, to where we do have some a chance to, you know, get our thoughts together um, and really be, uh, you know, in front, you know, of the curve. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in practice, it's, it's very much uh, – it's got to be straight instincts. And so that, that increases our baseball yeah. IQ, um, you know, to a high level because you don't have time to think. So – first of all, explain Jubilee for us because that sounds amazing. And then also you hear, you hear a lot of coaches that talk about speeding up practice. Can you give us like tangible examples of how you guys have, have had success doing that? Yeah. So Jubilee, um, is it's straight up. So we, we do have the turtle out, um, and we have catchers back there. Um, so it's pretty much, you got your defense out there. It's, uh, you get five swings. So the first, the first pitch of Jubilee to with your set, if you're hitting, uh, will be a bunt to the first base side or a third base side, and we'll go every other. So if the guy in front of you went to first base, then you'll go to third base, um, and the runner is at first base, and then you'll go into your first uh, hit, and it'll be the guy, the man will be on first base. Uh, you'll go through a hit and run, and we talk about our hit and run offense and hit and run defense. Uh, our offense is trying to hit the ball hard, you know, on the ground somewhere. Um, and then our hit and run defense uh, moves into it to where if the ball is in the air or our middle guys deking, um, you know, where are they at? Do they know which bag to throw to? Do they know, you know, where the base runners are going to be at in a hit and run? Um, and then that runner will stay at second. So they'll be live on one, three, and five. 
Um, but we play everything live. So even if it's down the line and it's a foul ball, we'll still play it. So we're working on, you know, our tandems down the right field line, working on tandems down the left field line. Um, and everything's extremely quick. So we're working on all our cuts and relays, uh, you know, working on throwing to the right bags. Our base runners are every single time they're going to the next base. Um, so there'll always be a play there. They're just kind of peeling off. So we won't slide right into, you know, our defenders not getting anybody hurt. And um, so every part – of the defensive reps that can happen in a game will happen during Jubilee. And then once we get it to wherever the final, you know, destination of the ball is, we got pitchers and nets, you know, on the sides and foul territory and they'll just throw it off and everyone's sprint back to where they are. And then this next rep. So it takes us, um, with five, five reps, uh, preach batter, uh, we can play two innings, uh, and it takes about 10 minutes, a half inning. So it takes about 40 minutes, but it is a ton of defense. And that's one of the, one of the biggest things that, you know, I kind of looked at when I took over is when we do a coach pitch or we do a Jubilee, um, do we want to be more offense or more defense? Because I've seen it to where, you know, coaches want to get out there and, and strike all their kids out and make it more offensive. And it's a lot of staying around. And that's, that's just I'm sure there's a time and a place. But for me, I'm a defensive minded uh, coach. Pitching a defense is always going to win. So, you know, I want those balls. I want them in the gap. I want them hard at our infielders. Um, you know, I want some line drives. Um and, and I want it to be as hard as possible. So um, from a defensive standpoint, we're getting better. I don't care if they go five for five. That's awesome. But uh, we want to make, you know, every play on those, depending on, you know, what the case may be. That's kind of our mindset on no that. Doubt, it's really ex- it's extremely quick. No kidding. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. I love I love your your take on it. And I love the name because you – you know, you you say coaches pitch scrimmage. There's a thousand variations. You say Jubilee. They know exactly what to do and how to set it up. It's really good. Yeah, I actually got that from my coach at uh, at Norfolk State. So he uh, we did it, and we absolutely okay. loved it. Um, and we were uh, dog tired at the end of it, and but we always got fired up for it because we knew it was going to be hard. Uh, we knew we were going to be absolutely exhausted after it. Uh, but once again, that's what we talk about when we're talking about challenging our mind and challenging our bodies is when you're tired and when you're out of breath, can you still go get that ball in the left center gap? You know, can you still put that throw in the money when you're sure. – um, you know, when you're when you're out of breath and your legs are kind of gone because you've been run all over the field and we need you to make, you know, this play in Jubilee, which, you know, dictates that second game in the tournament to where you played, you know, three or four games in a row and uh, you know, you're not gonna be hundred percent. So one of the one of the other things you you mentioned this is your first head coaching gig and going into it you had some different ideas of how you wanted to, you know, run everything. And for those who uh, you've gotten a, a couple seasons under your belt of how to con- how to efficiently conduct practice in season. What advice would you have for those who are getting head coaching jobs this summer and are going to turn around and you know run their program next next season? What what have you learned along the way that we can learn from you? What has worked and what are some different things that you uh, have changed because you, you you know maybe it was wasn't the the team or maybe it was you know how you ran it or maybe it was you know it didn't work for this time of year with energy levels or just any advice that you have in regards to that? You know, organization plays an, an incredibly large part in that. Um, you know, being able to uh, be organized and what it is that, you, that you're that you looking to do, you know, as a coach and putting together a plan with how can I put this plan in action? Um, how, what are some ways that I think that we're going to, we should go about this or we should introduce this um, and then the time frame to which we want to, you know, introduce it. Um, but I would say just being comfortable. Like there's a reason to where, you know, you're an assistant coach, you have all these great ideas and, um, 
you know, you don't always get to implement them. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'll do, you know, some of your ideas and sometimes you won't, but you have the, uh, the autonomy to do really whatever it is that you want. So I say just, um, you know, being true to yourself and being like, you know what, I thought this was going to work. Let's go do it. And if it doesn't work, then so what? Um, you know, I think that's the only, once again, we talk about our players, you know, learning from failure. You know, I think as coaches, we got to be a little more uh, vulnerable to be like, okay, this is, I felt really passionate about this and this worked and, you know, I was right. Or, you know, I felt really passionate about this and it didn't work. Like, I'll just try to go do something else. Or you can always put another spin on it too. Uh, cause you're in there watching it. Like everything sounds really good on paper. And then you go see it and you're like, okay, well, I think if we change this, then it could work. But it's just being true to yourself and, whatever your philosophy is like going at it exactly how you would or how you envisioned it. And then if you need to change and certainly you can change because we, you know, as humans, we have to adapt. Uh, we do have to change, but uh, you know, I think just being com- confident uh, and being comfortable, you know, within yourself and, and your players know it too. Um, they know if you're, if you're authentic or not uh, these guys are at least, at least my players are um, they're super street smart. So they know if you're being real or if you're, if you're faking it and they can see right through it. And so uh, the more real you are, uh, the more that you can show that true passion into what you're talking about and what you're trying to implement and what you're trying to teach um, just adds a, a different level of value to your players because then they see how fired up you are. They'll, they, they'll respond with, um, with a lot of energy because they can see it. Um, especially if you, sure. you know, show it to them in a, in a great way. So I think just, um, you know, just being confident in that. Well, I've got one more situation for you and this is, this is off the, off the question list. I was looking through your website and some different things as we're, as we're talking here. And I noticed on your schedule, uh, on April 2nd, you guys lose seven in a row. And then you go on to win 14 of your next 17 games. So I know that there's some coaches listening who have, you know, it's, this is like a a real life. I like, I don't know as a head coach, you know, you have, you have these dolls in the schedule as an assistant and as a head coach. And when you're in it, you feel like you're the only one in it and it's never going to end. It's it's like being in a slump as a hitter. So I would love to hear what was your messaging like? Because you lose that many games in a row. I'm, I'm sure the kids are go, are questioning everything that you've ever done. You're questioning everything you've ever done. We did this. We had the same thing happen to us this year uh, in a similar situation. But then you write the ship and you guys win 14 of your next 17 games, which is unbelievable. So I would love to hear, you know, how, how did you get the ship turning back into the right direction when, when you were going through that? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's definitely not anywhere where, where you envision to be at. And, you know, when things are going good, uh, you know, your girlfriend looks better. Uh, you know, the food tastes a little better and, um, you know, whatever you're, <laughs> no doubt. whatever you're doing seems a little more fun. And then when you're going through a bad, a bad, uh, you know, spot there in the season, she, you know, she doesn't look that good anymore. And, you know, your food just, doesn't, just doesn't taste that good. And so it's, uh, it's definitely a tough time, oh, uh, to go through. Cause it's like a two, two and a half week span there where, you know, we just weren't playing very good baseball and it had nothing to do with, um, it had nothing to do with the way that we were going about our business in practice. Nothing changed. Like the attitudes were really good. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like as hard as it is to get back on the boat, um, or how hard it is to get off the boat when you're winning. Um, it's that much harder to get back on when you're losing. And so I think for us, we put, and I talked to our players about it, it from the outside, from my perspective, looking to our players is we put a ton of invisible pressure, on ourselves because the expectation was extremely high 
And I think our players knew uh, what kind of team they had and the expectation they had for themselves. And so, you know, one game goes to three and then three goes to five. And then it's like, when are we ever going to, you know, put it together? And then once you get that first win, um, and I remember we were at Wake Tech when we got it, and, like, you would have thought that they won the lottery. <laughs> like, just – and not with the way they acted after we won, but just, like, the sense of relief, um, you know, when you finally did get back on where it's like, okay, you know, we can do this. Um, but I think from a coaching standpoint, just giving them confidence and saying, you know, we're not going to end the season this way. Like we're, it just depends on when we're going to get off. Um, but this is not going to last forever. And we're going to be, you know, a lot better, you know, going through this type of adversity than never going through it at all. And, you know, our pitching coach is a little older, um, you know, with me being, you know, my first full season, uh, did a tremendous job with just kind of, uh, giving me some words of advice too was just saying like, Hey, look, you know, cause he's been there before, you know, he's been through yeah. those, you know, ups and downs of the season. And I hadn't, yeah. And um, so just trying to give our players confidence and like you guys are really, really good. Uh, we just we're just not putting it together right now. And, you know, we played all three phases of the game really good for about 30 games. And then we didn't do any phase good enough, uh, you know, for that two, two and a half week stretch there. So, um, you know, just giving our players that encouragement because at the end of the day, like they got to believe. And I think they did. Um, you know, we just had to get through it. And that helped us when we got to the tournament with all second game. And we're in the elimination, um, you know, bracket. And we won five games in a row to, you know, to win our first championship in school history. And if we never go through that seven-game span where we lost seven in a row, I don't know if we if we get through that tournament the way that we did. Um, so it all comes sure. back, um, you know, to our advantage, or at least I try to at least I try to say uh, try to use all the adversity to our advantage at some point. Um, but I think it was really big for the key to our success, as, as bad as it was. No, and and thank you for being you know transparent with that. And the reason I bring it up is you know we we ended the year on a win, and we had we had a great team, but uh, we go on spring break and we win this tournament, and I think we're like sixteen and one or seventeen and one, and we come back from from Florida and we go on a stretch where we lose like five of seven, and similar situation of where it's like holy crap, like we were, <laughs> I think we were ranked like fourth in the country. Or just something, you know, and and maybe we were reading our press clips. I don't know, but it was one of those. It's like, oh my gosh, like, like this turns so quickly, and then as quickly as it happened, you know, you just you just keep finding ways to motivate the guys and keep the ship moving a little bit more in a positive direction instead of freaking out. And you know, we go to win six in a row and, and win a state championship. But I don't think that I would have asked that question you know, a year ago, but going through it, there was times I was like, man, we may not even get out of our own regional after, <laughs> yep. after winning districts. And then we went, you know, we went six in a row and get to dog pile, which was cool, but man, it's, it's definitely not fun, but I, I, I agree with you. Like it, it propelled us forward going through that because we had to figure out a way we weren't as good as we thought we were, which was to show up and, and win every ball game just because we showed up. But it's definitely not fun when you're going through it for sure. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think you, you bring up a, a great point to where, you know, we, we're not going to just be able to roll the balls out and, you know, get after it. Um, but it's, you know, it's not very fun, you know, going through. But, um, you know, being able to go through it and, like you said, just being able to give some words of encouragement because, you know, as, as coaches, we want to challenge our players and, you know, we want to be hard on them and, you know, having that emotional intelligence to where um, this is probably not a good week to – you know, to, to be hard on them and to really challenge them, you know, in that perspective, um, you know, sometimes I need to love on my players a little more. And I think, 
that's where, you know, you can love on them a little bit. When you're winning 14, 15 in a row, you can be hard on them because mm-hmm. they're going to go out there and, and play mm-hmm. to a high level regardless. But when you're going through that slump there, it's got to be a whole lot more love <laughs> when you're when you show them in practice yeah, and, sure. uh, you know, before and after. And uh, I think that's one of the fun parts, too, is just tell them how – just showing them how much you care about them. Like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, of course, it matters if you win and lose. Um, but I don't think any less mm-hmm. of you, like if you're 0 for 30 or 30 for 30, like I still love you. Sure. Um, I'm still going to treat you the same. I'm still going to come out here and help you get better. Um you know, that's the important part is helping them grow as people. For sure. For sure. Definitely a growth moment. Well, I've got a couple of different quick hitters for you. Uh, I know you're an infield guy, but, you know, quick hitters being we're both on the offensive side of things. Well, I guess we're we're, we're definitely not on the pitching side of things. Uh, <laughs> but if you, uh, yeah, if, if you don't mind, I, I'll throw a couple of these at you. Uh, but the first one is, you know, going back to, to even you know your 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 first couple of years coaching what is something that you've you've uh, changed your mind about and and actually let's do it recently you know being a head coach what's something that you've recently changed your mind about and then why did what made you change your mind or why did you change your mind you know er, early on I feel like I was very much is from the offensive side um, a little more mechanical as far as um, you know helping our guys you know free up and what we can do to you know, be a little more direct to the baseball. Um, you know, a lot of stuff would be kind of before the swing. Um, and one thing that I kind of – I really came around on is, um, you know, good hitters are going to hit. Like, there's some small things that you can tweak. Um, but I absolutely love the external cues that that people are, are, are doing nowadays. And, uh, you know, I got a buddy, um, Aria Dude. He's with the, uh, with the Phillies organization right now. And – He's talked about it too, with making BP like you know difficult because you know when I was coming through, we didn't have you know a machine or anything. It was forty five mile an hour coach pitch, and you hit eight hundred in BP, and you know it's just very non realistic because you look at these other sports and basketball. You know it's you know you can do some things that is going to be a little more live, and you know from a baseball perspective, I think making BP uh, a lot harder. And so we use a machine every single day, um, but using the external cues to get to where we want to get to. And I remember, you know, at a point this year to where we were kind of slumping a little bit from an offensive standpoint. And I went, you know, kind of got away from, you know, who we, what we have done, you know, offensively to that point and wanted to, you know, really just hit baseballs out of the ballpark and, you know, pull baseballs in the air. And it turned into a lot of backside doubles uh, and triples and in practice and in games and turned into way more home runs that we had hit, you know, to that point. And um, really, it's just learning, watching them move their bodies and to put themselves in a good position uh, in order to hit a fly ball to the pull side or to be able to hit a home run to the backside. Um, and just using those things versus, hey, you're doing this with your hands, you're doing this with your hip. Like, you know, there's a time and a place for that. But if you're telling somebody to hit a home run to the backside, it's going to be extremely hard for them to do that if they're pulling their front hip. Um, So I think using that, uh, using those external cues and making BP hard uh, was a a big uh, turning point for us. And and hitting balls in the air, I know that's that's super new school. Um, You know, all the old school stuff is, you know, put the ball on the ground and, you know, go about it that way but uh you know putting balls in the air gonna the, the slugging percentage is gonna gonna go up uh, you know exponential amount um mm-hmm. you know versus hitting that ball on the ground sure next question is what's a drill that your players love that we can steal from you 
We do on, on the infield. We do uh, we do a lot of angle stuff, and so we'll set up. So I'll be about thirty foot on the first baseline, and they'll be you know on the third baseline, about the seventy five foot mark, and so they'll go, you know, from about a sixty foot um, a sixty foot line. But I'm right in the middle. I'm just hitting baseballs. Um, you know, to the middle, and they're taking their deep angles to the forehand. They're taking their deep, deep angles to the backhand. And you're really deciding, like, you're letting your body take over to where if you're going to make this throw on the run, if you're going to spin move, uh, you know, to the forehand, if you're going to spin and put on the money, you know, on the backhand, are you going to be able to throw off your right foot and, and jeter it, as we call it? Um, are you going to work around it and have your feet moving towards your target, you know, using the backhand, or are you going to plant and throw? And, um, you know, being able to see them – uh, you know, expand their range and being able to increase their range because they're taking good angles, but also to uh, seeing them where the balls aren't just going under their gloves, um, you know, on different hops to where they're taking good angles and be able to make that play and they're not diving over the baseball or, you know, getting their glove down late. Um, but they absolutely love uh, doing that drill. And, uh, and it's fun to watch them too because they're making, you know, incredible plays. And it's a little shorter distance, so we're saving – Saving our arms, that's something we'll do uh, before we do our infield set, but just kind of get our bodies going, uh, get our minds going to where we're taking good angles, you know, creating good hops. Uh, but they absolutely love that. Great share. Next one, and it's similar to the other one, but what's the latest thing that you've learned that's made you better at your job? Um, just kind of what we talked about earlier was changing the, uh, changing the offensive mindset with, you know, instead of having more, um, you know, having more of the rounds as far as, uh, you know, this round we're going, you know, backside. This round's going to be middle. This round's going to be, you know, pull side. Um, you know, really getting into more of the of the live counts and where the base runners are and what we're trying to do. So if we're going to have more of a two-strike approach that day, then we'll have, you know, more two-strike counts. Um, you know, we'll have emphasis in there where we're leading off innings or we got the bases loaded, you know, two outs. And we talk about, you know, building our house, you know, our, our RBI is how we build our house. And so we try to build some, some really big houses someday, but um, being more in the doing more counts and situational stuff, like throughout the rounds, more so than just hitting just to hit um, because we can get our minds in a good place. We're in a game where, okay, we've done this. Like the infield has been in and we'll bring our infield in and like, okay, we've done this, you know, a bunch, so it doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, I've hit, you know, with, with two outs and had to get a big-time knock or a game-winner in BP, and certainly it's a little different. But at least you've done those things to where you have that confidence to go out and do it in a game. Cool. Last one that I've got for you is share with us a failure and how that's propel- propelled you forward. Does this have to be – does this need to be a baseball failure or a life failure? No, just like, you know, we're all – we're all flawed, flawed humans, and at, you know, there's there's a point in our career where we all feel like failures, right? And that could be on and off the field. And so, I would love, you know, some some. Uh, I I I'm just trying to to promote some some authenticity from the guests, and we've all failed, you know. And so, there may be somebody out there that's like, man, like I feel like a complete failure after this season, and you know, thinking about some some different things that that have that have made you a better coach because of failure. And we even mentioned some earlier, like losing seven in a row is not, not the same as having a, a, a terrible season, but those were failures that helped us to come back stronger. So is there anything like that that comes to mind? Yeah, I think, um, you know, anytime we look at failure, I know for myself as, you know, players win and, and coaches lose. 
And so every single game I kind of look at, um, you know, I feel like I've let our players down if we do lose or if, you know, I feel like we were, you know, unprepared or I made, you know, kind of the wrong moves, um, you know, there early on. Um, but I think for – from my standpoint, some of the failure, either either guys should have got more opportunities or some of the guys um, shouldn't have got as many opportunities, um, you know, when they're going through it and, you know, when we're going through the season. And, um, you know, certainly you hate being wrong, and I think that's what we talked about earlier was being the, the vulnerable side is um, – because sometimes I think for me I have a lot more faith in our players than they have in themselves – and trying to give them the confidence and, you know, sticking, sticking by them, which I'll never, I'll never hang my hat. Um, you know, I'll never be ashamed of that because I'll always, you know, have their back from that perspective, but um, probably making moves a little bit earlier, um, you know, instead of, you know, staying with some guys that I know what they can do or know what they should be doing. Um, I think having a little better feel for uh, giving guys some days off, um, I don't think I do a very good job of that at all. Um, but I think giving them some time, giving them a chance to breathe and, um, you know, and getting them back, you know, after a game or two, you know, after they, you know, went through a rough stretch or, you know, whatever the case, my kind of my mindset is, Hey, you got to get through it and you got to find a way. And I think they're going to be better because of it, but also think they could be a lot better if they did have, you know, a game or two off and they did have some, you know, some breathing room. So I think as a coach, um, you know, I'm continuing to learn. I don't, I tell our players all the time, I don't claim to know everything and I'm going to, I'm going to make mistakes just like they are. And I think that's one thing that, you know, as a coach, I need to get a little better at is, um, you know, giving a little bit of breathing time, you know, throughout the season to where, you know, we get them back, you know, in a much better mental spot, uh, but also, you know, in, in the physical spot as well. No, it's, that's, that's so good. And that's that empathy piece. And that, that I guess just in, in the best term, it's just being real, like, players understand and and can see guys that are real and the guys that are faking it trying to trying to make it and i i know that they that they appreciate that because i did as a player too no doubt yeah and that's what you know from my coaching standpoint i try to try to coach how i wanted to be coached and i think as coaches i think we do do that um you know because we've had really good coaches we've i'm sure we've all had you know not so great coaches and we take a little bit from everyone and be like this is how i definitely want to do it this is how i wouldn't do it this is what i would do different sure. and um so i definitely try to you know take that piece into it when when i am coaching i try to coach them exactly how you know exactly how i want to be coached and whether that's good or bad uh you know mm-hmm. that's how i go about it but you know at the end of the day like okay. we talk about the empathy piece like you know i love them to death and i'll do anything in the world for them no doubt well, Cody, man, I, I, I loved our conversation today. You did a great job, and uh, I, I enjoyed getting to know you even more. But I do want to give you the opportunity to talk to our listeners one last time before you go. If if you're listening to this and you want to get in contact with Cody, uh, just check the show notes below. That gives you all of the information you need to, need to get in contact with him. But, Cody, the mic's yours, and anything else you want to tell them before you go? Um, no, I just wanted – I'm just so thankful to be – um, for you to have me on the podcast, I'm, I'm very thankful to be in college baseball. And, um, you know, for me, one thing that I didn't get to talk about was, um, you know, my faith is the most important part, um, of my life. And it's my most important job is, um, my relationship with, with Jesus. And that's one thing that, um, you know, a big part of our culture, um, that we talk about is, you know, how do we be able, how are we going to be good people? And one thing that we do at the end of practice every day, uh, to end practice is we do a Bible verse and, you know, pretty much all it talks about is, uh, you know, forgiving others, loving others, caring for others, um, you know, going through adversity and who we can lean on and, you know, being there for other people. And so uh, I think that's been 
a big thing with our players is um, having them think about things a little bit differently out from a, a life perspective more so than all just baseball. And um, so that's, I think that's a big reason why our culture has been so different um, because we are thinking about those things every single day. We're talking about, you know, forgiving other people. We're talking about loving other people and, uh, you know, caring more about others than ourselves. And, um, you know, I'm just so I'm thankful that the Lord gave me, uh, you know, a bunch of opportunities. And um, I just wanted to really just um, very passionate about that. So I wanted to, you know, give all the glory to him um, from where I met in my stage of my life and, and what he's done in my life. Thank you so much for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you would do us a huge favor, leave a rating or review wherever you are listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone and tag us on social media. That would help us so much with growing the show and helping others to stay ahead of the curve.